0: hi everyone i'm brandon sparks i'm thomas horton and this is a special throwback episode we now have thomas me here to, to intro the this one uh doing a special throwback episode to house which was one that you picked yes many many years ago it's wild. And we did we did horror comedy month horror comedy month october 2020 yeah which is which is wild and what i remember about this series was that we are for one david who's on here uh as well now uh he he became my roommate that month, and I pitched like, "Hey, we're doing a horror comedy month on our podcast," and he started listening to these episodes of this series, and now we're roommates. Oh, yeah, so we this so this podcast gave me gave me a little bit of cred with my roommate before he became my roommate. Um, but Houseu is one, as you'll just we'll hear you'll hear on the show that I had never seen before, mm-hmm. and you had seen before.
1: Yeah, and it just kind of recently, as we'll discuss, it just kind of recently come to America. It's a. It's a- mm-hmm um japanese film but uh yeah i we had both meant to see it uh at, at a late
0: night at a late night screening York, yes. and
1: we missed it and so then i watched it uh on criterion channel and loved it and then made you watch it because watch it, yeah. it's not one that's necessarily kind of up your alley It's uh, no;
0: it, these are ones where like i i will never turn down watching but i don't always seek out on my
1: own yeah but it's 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 an episode when we were talking about bringing episodes back. It's one of our episodes that I reference to people the most often because <laughs> I feel like House has become much mm-hmm. more popular in the years since it's I kind agree. of it's one. Now, anytime I talk to anybody about horror, they if, if you're a horror enthusiast, you've probably seen it at this point. But a lot of people I talk to, I'm like, oh, do you know the story behind House? And, and the, a lot of times they don't and i think the story of how it got made mm-hmm. the story of the intention of the filmmaker as he made it is just as incredible as as the visuals, as the visuals of this movie yeah. or as as inventive as this movie is um, because it is one of my favorite stories of the making of a movie probably ever
0: yeah and i think it was the first one you wrote for the show really i think it was the one because this is a period when like i don't know why i was i was probably, <laughs> I was probably being a, a, a jerk and i'm just gonna write them all but I, I but i think this is one where you're like i want to cover this one i was like well i haven't seen it <laughs> so it's probably best if you write it and yeah. that's what kind of because it's funny how the show has changed so much over these past few years of, like, even just listening to these back of, like, how we'll cut categories or how, like, our writing styles might change over time. I remember I went back and looked at, like, Our Fan of Paradise, which is, this is got exact month of October 2020, and my writing style has vastly changed <laughs> of how I plan out these episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, but that just... That just happens, and and and, our, and how we discuss them also changes. But with House, yeah, it's one that I, I pitch a lot to a lot of people of like, you want something wild? I got the movie for you. But David and I actually did go see a finally saw a late night of it at the new art. Oh, nice! And it's it's just a he. I don't think he'd seen it at that point, or he might have seen it once before. But it's a wild movie to see with the audience, especially I think only half had seen the movie at that point. Mm-hmm. So it it you. What you think it's going to be it's not going to be if you know, it's, it's, it's like everything Is off the walls and insane And like we talk about on the show Such a very unique story of how it all Came to mm-hmm. be And I think too it's like with the movies we talk about We hope that a lot of these movies get discovered On the show And so we hope if you haven't seen House uh, You go and find it I think it's on I feel like it's on Max
1: They've, they've kept it pretty religiously on they Max have. For the last couple of years
0: it's currently on Max and Criterion channel. So that should be easy to find for for people who have Max, who are more mainstream, the people who are more niche with Criterion. Mm-hmm. Um and probably if I had a guess on Criterion, there's probably more special features mm-hmm. uh, that you can see. Um, but it's worth seeing this the Japanese horror. It was a fun, a fun month in the horror comedy month. We did uh this Fan of Paradise, Tucker and Dale versus Evil, and we also did West Craven episode, which is which is an episode I really loved. Did you do the was, Burbs? With somebody we did the home? burbs we did the burbs hunter and i did the burbs yeah. i'm sorry i forgot about that so we did do Tucker Hill versus evil fan parents. so it was i guess it was a five, five episode. episode a month yeah um yeah we did the burbs so it was, and all, all these were fun and and hopefully go back and check those out those are again very early i think like episode in the 130 mm. range off the top of my head and we're now coming up to 300, which is coming out soon. So be prepared for that. But yeah, hope you all enjoy this episode on House. Uh, it's one of our, our favorites. So yeah, thanks for listening. Hi, and welcome to Episode Cine Nation. My name is Brandon Sparks.
1: And I'm Thomas Horton.
0: And here at Cine Nation, we discuss film genres and the tropes and stories within them. And for the month of October, we are going to be talking about horror comedies. Uh, last week, we discussed Brian De Palma's The Fan of the Paradise. I'd like to thank all of our Canadian listeners, especially from Winnipeg, for showing up last week. Uh, I really want to go to Winnipeg
1: now. <laughs> I really do.
0: Yeah, I really want to go. Like, when, when theaters and stuff open back up, well, it's probably different in Canada right now because they're, they're doing a little bit better than we are. I would love to go see Fan of the Paradise in Winnipeg one day. That's, that's the goal. So our, our Winnipeg listeners out there, please contact us when it happens. So I okay, said, so we're talking about horror comedies this month. What's some stuff we talked about uh, so far, Thomas, with horror comedies?
1: Well, we discussed the idea of homage, which is huge within the horror genre anyway, like outside of of comedy, just you know, paying homage to the stuff that came before, especially the Gothic literature that really kind of led the way into the horror genre. But that that makes it really easy for horror comedy to work well because we're so used to seeing things kind of borrowed and chopped up and adapted within the horror genre in the first place. So to then see that turned into a joke feels like it works. And so that that we talked a lot about the idea that a horror comedy can still be considered a horror film or or still feels like part of the genre instead of just being a parody kind of on the outside and uh we'll talk about that a little bit more as the month goes on for sure yeah
0: it's been interesting because i've again been watching a lot of horror centric movies or like horror comedy movies during the first few days of october and it's interesting to see like movies that were critically hated at one point and they were like failures and i look at them now and i realize oh they're just like what people didn't realize was they didn't know they didn't know it was a horror comedy. They're like, "Oh, it mm-hmm. has to be either a horror or it has to be a comedy. It can't be both." And now they're like, "Finding like, looking at certain movies, like, oh, it is both." They're like, "It's it, it's exaggerated to an extent, which is mm-hmm. a very very big in this genre, to where like, oh, it is comedic, but because it's exaggerated horror tropes, it is horror." And I think today's movie has a little bit of that in there. And mm-hmm. so, Thomas, I'm gonna let you take over. What is today's movie?
1: Yeah, so today we have a film uh, from uh, 1977, a Japanese film called Hausu, Um, also house in in English, but um, there's a little story behind the title of Hausu uh, as well that we'll get to. Uh, But to give a a brief intro, uh, normally we like to do a little intro of the cast, but there is no notable cast in this film whatsoever, uh, which we will also get to, but the real star of House is a man named Nobuhiko Obayashi. Uh, In in 1955, a young Obayashi dropped out of medical school to enroll in a liberal arts program and pursue his passion for filmmaking despite his father's urges to become a surgeon. Uh, (laughs) Over the course of film school, Obayashi would enlist some of his most talented classmates to form Film Independent, a collection of independent and avant-garde young directors in Japan. Um, Film Independent was actually a huge success. Uh, A lot of directors in the late 1960s and early 1970s credit the avant-garde style or the Mm -hmm. pop art style of filmmaking in Japan to uh, Film Independent. And so uh, toward the end of their college career, Film Independent was approached by an advertising group and they said, hey, we love your style. We think it's really fresh and hip. We'd love for you guys to come make commercials. And everyone in Film Independent said no, except for Obayashi, who thought that sounded amazing. So Obayashi spent the entirety of the 1960s making experimental commercials in a pop art style that made him a household name. He'd never directed a feature film, but people knew him. He was Obayashi. He did these kind of crazy commercials from the 1960s through the early 70s. He directed over 2000 advertisements, uh, including Japanese ads that would feature American stars like Kirk Douglas, Charles Bronson, and even Catherine Deneuve. Yeah. So his first feature wouldn't come until 1977 with House.
0: Oh, wow. I didn't realize it was his first one. Okay.
1: Yeah. Um. And, you know, last week we talked about Phantom of the Paradise and it being kind of a cult hit. Yeah. And House, I think you could consider a cult hit, but it's strangely also was a gigantic success in its release in Japan, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But despite it being a huge release, a huge success in Japan, it did not make its way to America until 2009. Which, Which is why it feels yeah, that's why it feels like a cult movie. Uh, so the the studio that produced the film never distributed it to the United States, but in 2009, Janus Films looked into acquiring the American distribution rights. Their idea was to launch a horror and cult themed companion to the Criterion Collection, okay. so it would be like a different uh, name, but it would be run by Janus, who also works with Criterion and would be a way, kind of like shout factory um yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. a way to collect and 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 more more culty like
0: and, and this is this is what that's then like an arrow in England there mm-hmm. distribution it's it's yeah more culty kind of B movie
1: exactly but as they were acquiring it word of mouth grew quickly and um at, they actually ended up just adding it to the Criterion collection and distributing it in 2009 as a Criterion film and uh as part of the Uh, release of the film did just a few screenings in New York to drum up publicity did not think it was going to do anything whatsoever whatsoever they immediately sold out uh, the New York releases and it just became huge everyone people across the country saying I want I I need to see House in a theater I need to see it live with an audience you need to bring it here so it kind of started touring around uh, like horror festivals and just became a huge success which is how it became a cult hit in america 30 years after its initial release yeah
0: i mean we talked about this last week with uh fan of paradise and i even compared it to kind of mandy of how like it's about access so it's like a cult film becomes a cult film because of the lack of access or mm-hmm. availability of a movie and if it's a 30 year gap of one that's what's interesting because I've, I've heard I've, I've i've listened to a lot of directors talk about the movie of late and it's weird to hear them like oh it's such a great movie like i feel like everyone that made a haunted house movie after this film was inspired by this i'm like but how they yeah. it wasn't it wasn't in america i mean there was pro some people probably got prints of it i don't i don't yeah. i don't doubt that but i also don't think like as many people saw how ha- how sue as people think they did
1: yeah pre-2000. yeah there's, i i can't find sam raimi on the record saying that he had ever seen this but like several i've read several people they're they're like sam raimi had to have seen yeah this movie at some point yeah um so brandon what's what is what is house about oh gosh uh (laughs) well for
0: one just to to to, so you guys can go watch if you have never seen it before it's currently streaming on hbo max and criterion channel as of recording this uh house it was about this young girl her name is gorgeous the names in this movie are very uh it's like Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. It's very yeah. like uh, this person. This person's this. Yeah.
1: <laughs> this, this. They all have one character trait, and they're named after that one character so, trait. It's very yeah, so, easy to remember the characters. Yeah.
0: So the one who's really good at music, her name is Melody. Uh, the one who is uh, who's overweight and eats a lot, her name is Mac. Uh, so gorgeous is this is young Japanese girl who's in high school. And it's coming up to summer, and she is going to be spending time with her father. And she finds out that her father has now married a new woman, or is about to marry a new woman. I think it's is it is she about to marry her, or is yeah, he I think about they're, to marry engaged. they're engaged. They're yeah. engaged. And she becomes upset, and she writes her, her her kind of estranged aunt that she hasn't seen since she was a young girl. Of like, hey, I want to get away from my my dad. We were gonna, I was gonna spend time with him this summer with my friends. We're all gonna like like hang out together. Can we come and visit you instead? And her aunt's like, yes, please come, come to the house. I've been waiting for your letter for for years. And gorgeous, and her uh, is it is it six? It might be seven. Is it seven or six? I wanna, so it's
1: gorgeous. It's fantasy. Gorgeous. Who is has an overactive imagination? Prof, prof who's professor? Yeah. Uh, okay. Kung Fu, who does kung, kung, fu. kung fu? Yes. Mac, who is yeah. the the one who eats a lot melody
0: sweet. yes yeah yes, Mel-
1: melody is the musician and sweet is just the like super nice one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so they all go to the house uh of of gorgeous's aunt's house and as they get there things like odd things begin to happen pretty uh, about half about 30 minutes in the film but it's uh yeah odd supernatural things begin to happen and the house tent or begins to kind of take hold of the girls basically it becomes your i won't say traditional haunted house movie but it becomes (laughs) becomes a haunted house movie
1: Mm -hmm.
0: yeah it's it's a movie so (laughs) so
1: let's let's get into it brandon What what are your thoughts so i i had i had seen this film before yeah uh i watched it for the first time last year when i was doing my kind of branching out to watch yeah. new horror films but i had heard it i had heard great things about it um i had seen the trailer a few times at uh the new art theater they yeah. screened it once yeah. and i didn't go to that screening i i, I remember like trying we, to and not wanted, making yeah, it
0: we wanted to we all wanted to but we just didn't do it
1: but i remember the trailer for sure
0: yeah it's got yeah. that,
1: that voice is like house How
0: yeah house
1: yeah so my
0: initial thoughts is i'd never seen it before Man, what the hell was that movie? (laughs) And I I say that in the best way possible, by the way. I don't want to say that as a negative. It is one of the weirdest and most strange films I've probably ever seen before. I get, because I remember you texting me when you first saw it. You're just like, I don't know if I actually saw that because it was so late in the night. Did I dream it? And I yeah. get that. I get that feeling.
1: <laughs> it's it's you. You can definitely tell that Obayashi is coming over from commercials, and that I feel like the movie functions in like thirty second clips. Yeah,
0: it's yeah, it's in piece, <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting. It's like it's, but he's using so many tricks, like filmmaking tricks that you would mm-hmm. see in commercials around the time, at least probably in Japan, of if it's kind of like animation or if it's like. Uh, like composite like he he's pulling out all these different like special practical effects really in terms of how they're doing these certain like scenes
1: yeah and yeah, i've got some i've got some info on the special effects okay, a little bit cool. later on but cool. that's a that was a fun process
0: yeah it, it reminds me a lot of like films from dario argento and mario bava like kind of these colorful like dark films and it's, it's, a, it's a wacky and unique take on, like, the haunted house tropes. We talked about this last year around October of just, like, what the haunted house is of usually just a, a spirit of some kind or a group of people come into a house and a spirit kind of takes over and can start picking them apart one by one, a lot of different things. And this, and this follows, like, a traditional horror f- or a haunted house, like, kind of structure in a way. Mm. But it's just yeah. done in a very unique way, and it, it is. Uh, and weirdly, it's also d- divided into halves. That's what I no- noticed. And not mm-hmm. fully halves, but like the first twenty-five minutes, there's not really any. Like, there's no supernatural s- stuff going. Yeah, it's on. It's just kind of a teen, a teen yeah, pop movie. It's kind of a teen pop movie where, we're like, oh, we're going, we're gonna go spend the time or spend the summer with my aunt. Like, we're on a train. Like, we're hanging out. It's a very youthful film, mm-hmm. and then it takes a turn. It's not. it's nightmare fueled by the last half of the movie. That's what I, that's what I have to say. Like it, it gets to a certain and we'll talk about it in favorite scenes, but like it gets to part where you're just like, what the hell is happening right now?
1: <laughs> well, speaking of it being very youthful, this that has a lot to do with with how it got made. So uh go back two years earlier, it was nineteen seventy five, and what movie in America has just completely changed the film industry? Jaws. Jaws. <laughs> yeah so and i bet you did you see this connection coming <laughs> I, I,
0: well when I, I i i did i didn't mean to research stuff but i looked up just because i, I look up like oh house real quick and like the first line is like oh jaws inspired this and i'm yeah. like huh i'm gonna stop right there and not <laughs> read anything else
1: so immediately after the release of jaws we all know everyone in america was scrambling to find the next jaws for yeah. better or for worse you know you got piranha on one end but you also got star wars so you know it it it, different people had different ways of approaching what jaws meant to the industry but in japan the uh, legendary studio toho wanted the same thing Mm -hmm. Uh, toho was the top studio in japan they're probably best known in america as the studio that created the godzilla franchise they were also the producers of akira kurosawa's films okay but now they wanted their jaws Uh, and the lesson that they took away from jaws was that it needed to be young it needed to be hip and it needed to be scary so they turned to famous advertising director nobuhiko obayashi just to come up with basically to come up with their brand yeah they said hey we want to make new movies we want them to be we want jaws go come back to us with an idea for jaws basically (laughs) and, and you just hand that off to us the thing is toho functioned in the same way of of classic toho was based off of classical hollywood yeah and so they still had even in 1975 they still had staff writers staff directors
0: Oh, that's interesting
1: and they did not hire people outside of the studio system so obayashi was not signed by them and he was only brought on to come up with the concept as a as a marketing guru (laughs) um but obayashi has also claimed that in his first meeting with toho they told him that they were tired of making quote comprehensible films and wanted to make something incomprehensible so i that to me sounds like they're also kind of taking away from like the film the film brats
0: yeah in the american studio system let's let's throw stuff at the wall and see what sticks type thing exactly yeah Yeah. i think
1: they're, they're watching what directors are doing in the studio system in america and and they're this they want this to be that um so yeah so obayashi immediately jumped on the idea the part about appealing to a younger audience really hit with him because that was Usually, who he was trying to appeal to with his advertisements. So, he immediately enlisted his 10 year old daughter by asking her, What scares you the most? Okay. So, the, the two of them sat down and collaborated on the initial story, and many of her ideas okay. made it into the final script that he created with, uh, with a co writer named Katsura.
0: That makes a lot of sense now. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense now. Okay.
1: Obayashi titled the script Haosu. In an attempt, he said to give the film a taboo English sounding name. So the the release title of the film was Haosu, which does not mean anything in Japanese. It just sounds (laughs) similar to the word house. So he delivered the script to Toho and said, hey, I wrote this for you completely. I want to direct it. And they said, oh, thanks for the script. Go away. No, yeah. <laughs> you're no not a, you. Yeah. You're not a signed director within the studio system. So for two years, the script was shopped around Toho contract directors. They would just send yeah. it out, someone would read it, and they'd send it back, and they'd say, I have absolutely no idea what to do with this. Meanwhile, Obayashi, ever an advertising genius, decided that he was going to make himself the director of Haosu. <laughs> so in the two years that the script was being shopped around Toho, Obayashi managed to publish a manga version of the story produce a radio play of the script commissioned commissioned the entire soundtrack of the film and released it on vinyl and had business cards made up declaring him the writer and director of house
0: that's insane that's like that is i don't know how to how to how to like define that like it's it's guerrilla filmmaking to like like hey i want to make this movie i'm gonna do whatever i can to do it yeah it's, so the
1: movie was already like a team like it, a, it was a gra- known
0: grassroots movement to yeah get this it was already day, a cultural yeah.
1: phenomenon yeah. before yeah. the cameras began rolling at all and that's so insane. finally so in 1970 early 1977 toho had had the movies been turned down by everyone at this point and everyone in japan knows that obayashi is making this film house <laughs> so they've got to just hand it over to him
0: that's amazing Man, the 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 balls on that guy. <laughs> I, that's all I. Was, it's just like the just the in, like just to do that. That's crazy to me.
1: All right, so give me give me some favorite scenes.
0: Favorite scenes. Uh, I'll start with one that like was my favorite in the moment, and then I found out more later on about it, and that's the mirror scene. That's like literally the middle of the movie mm-hmm. when gorgeous goes into, I guess, it's her aunt's room. -hmm. And sees the her reflection in the mirror that also then becomes like her aunt at a younger age and and then at one point the mirror breaks but then also like gorgeous's face breaks apart and fire is basically engulfs her body it's Mm -hmm. I was just like it it's a jaw dropping scene and then I find out later from the video essay you sent. Of like how it provided like a a context to the story he was trying to tell. Yeah. And in the video that you sent, it's by uh Koganata. Koganada, Koganada. who also did the movie Columbus a few years back. It, it's he talked about how it was some of the 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 idea that Oyashi was trying to do was capture the generations in Japan pre and post the hiroshima bomb in world war ii Mm -hmm. and the first half of the movie i'm talking about halves the first half of the movie was the young the people who were born after the bomb was dropped and do not know the world of uh japan and the effect that hiroshima had on it and then the the older generation are the ones that are almost it feels like almost jealous of the younger generation they Mm had they didn't live through that and that moment with the mirror is the kind of connection between the two generations in a way yeah. is what it feels like. And it's putting the idea of the Hiroshima bomb in a very I don't know, metaphorical sense of like what it's doing with the fire and the, it's a very, so I, I love that scene.
1: Yeah. that And that talking about, you know, the, the groundbreaking effects in this movie that I, I still have no idea how they did that one. Cause I know no some claim. of the, some of the animations they did with the girls, they had them like wrapped in, in green screen so they could chroma key different parts. But I mean, you're watching a live shot of Gorgeous's face and little pieces start kind of falling off and becoming fire. Yeah, it, like a like a jigsaw. Yeah, it's incredible. But yeah, yeah. Like uh, Koganaga says in his uh, in his video essay, Obayashi survived the the um, bomb of bombing of Hiroshima as a, as a child, mm-hmm. but lost he says all of his childhood friends were killed in the bombing. Yeah. And it's really interesting to, when you watch this to see... I'm not sure exactly where he stands on it. I mean, he's he said openly that the, that's what the movie is about, yeah. is the generational divide. But it's, it's not clear because the way that the aunt kind of... We're getting into spoiler territory here, but but you know the ant and the house itself we come to find is like feeding off of these girls, yeah, and feeding off of their their innocence, and so obviously the ant represents this idea that like the older generation wants to bring the younger generation down, like you yeah. don't know what I've been through, yeah, you can't be happy, yeah, you can't be innocent. This is what has happened, yeah. But but Obayashi, who is part of that older generation, I feel like admires them you know yeah
0: the innocent yeah the the, the younger generation and again that's interesting when you, he's talking about him using his 10 year old daughter as like an influence to the story it's very there's no there's not a hatred to the younger people in the movie it feels mm-hmm. like you know they're yeah, dying. Off. yeah
1: yeah there, i mean there's nothing because you you have to imagine if you put yourself in his shoes you go to your daughter and you say what are you most scared of and she says back um the piano eating me you have to imagine as someone who has survived an atomic bomb at her age. You have to be like, oh, that's how quaint. But yeah. what he did, what he did, was take those fears and and amplify them, realize them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that that uh, the piano scene, which which you talked about, is an incredible scene, and that was one that was straight from straight from his daughter's nightmares yeah
0: yeah, that was one that was when like the movie like uh we're in we're 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 in in the end game now
1: (laughs) that's when it really (laughs) goes yeah because up to that point it follow. i mean it it does follow as crazy as it all is it does follow a kind of basic haunted house structure where you've got like the one person i mean it's it's i've i've heard this movie called like scooby-doo on acid yeah yeah, and um, it does kind of have like like uh fantasy is that Scooby character, you know, Scooby's always seeing the ghost everywhere and the rest of yeah. the team's going like Scooby, there's no ghost. And so for for, you know, this middle third of the movie, fantasy keeps seeing all these bad things happening, but no one else is believing her. Yeah. But then yeah, the the piano is when it really starts, like everybody realizes that it's 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 done. It's foobar. Yeah, it
0: it goes off the rails in a good way. Like it's you have like there there are people who are who are there are, there are like a supernatural attacks before that, but that's where it's just like the piano like like eats her like I mean I don't know how to explain it for people who have not seen it. The piano just eats her like it's just yeah. like she's playing it cuts off her fingers, eats her, and then her fingers continue to play the piano on their own. Yeah. Uh, it, it it's 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 out <laughs> there. One that I also I thought was bonkers happens before that, and that's when Sweet is being attacked by like. I don't know how many beds. Like <laughs> just being attacked by beds. Yeah, and it's so. So here's here's something with, with all these scenes we're talking about. At least with the kills, in terms of like you know, this commercial background, they're all very visual, and as I said, they're all like using these very practical effects. And we talked about kind of oh using the the like references to the older works. I, I do think there are a lot of. Alfred Hitchcock moments in this movie actually. Hmm. In this in the beds the beds attacking suite. He does this shot where they're shooting through the glass floor. Yeah. Where you can see everything and that's something that Hitchcock did during the silent air where you could see like a killer oh he yeah sh- he would shoot the lodger the, the, the lodger, yeah he would shoot through the glass floor You could see the the the, the, the uh the, the serial killer pacing back and forth and so they, they use that as a way to see sweet being attacked in a very like unique perspective and and then another scene is the, is the kill of mac where they where i don't know which girl finds her but like the girl finds mac's head in the well
1: that's that's fantasy it's yeah, fantasy okay
0: so but what happens right before that is that there's really good dolly zoom or vertigo shot and i was like oh mm-hmm. things are about to pick up here because yeah that's, yeah because that's,
1: that's that's the first because we we don't see mac mac just kind of disappears yeah and then yeah the first time we see anything supernatural happen <laughs> is when mac's head floats out of a well and <laughs> bites fantasy's butt yeah
0: and, and, and then and, and
1: then and then projectile vomits blood everywhere
0: yeah it's so i mean yeah guys i'm sorry if you haven't seen this is i don't know how we don't know how to explain this movie yeah so but he does but he does a again a vertigo shot this is the thing about that specific shot in filmmaking and some people don't really understand the purpose behind it is the idea like a vertigo shot should be used when a change and when when there's a change in the character's world Mm -hmm. or in the environment of some kind and that's a moment where that's the ultimate change is that that's where the the killing start. So right before that happens, you have this subtle dolly zoom to, to cue you visually. Okay, we're entering into a new section of this film something is about to change for the worse, probably for these characters.
1: Mm.
0: A, vertigo, a vertigo shot is never used for like a, a very, to my knowledge, it's never used for a positive change in a character's no, world. No. <laughs> it's always, it's always a negative, uh, a negative Yeah, because it feels
1: kind of out of control. I, I, a yeah. vertigo shot for me is the visual representation of like when your stomach drops. Yeah, you know, it's like everything just complete. The world just like shifts around you, and yeah, I love that shot too because this movie has gorgeous matte paintings. It does for um, much so. for the backgrounds, and so there's this like sunset matte painting behind her um, when it when it happens.
0: It's unsettling, but in a beautiful way i don't know how to explain it it's, just, it's very it's very weird of how everything happens i mean the the the, the world with the matte pangs you're saying it looks like cotton candy in a way like it's just like all these different mm-hmm. colors and the and the clouds and like you're you're in a i'm not saying you're in a cartoon but it kind of feels that way especially with the train sequence when yeah. they're going to the aunt's house where it feels like you're in this like cartoon type world
1: yeah well that's wild too uh, the train sequence that was going to be my next pick because There's a moment when the characters, they're on their way to the aunt's house and the characters all kind of ask Gorgeous about her aunt, to which Gorgeous tells them the story of of how her aunt is is, uh, an old spinster. And while it's happening, we see like a black and white movie play, but we're also getting commentary from the girls like they're watching the movie. Yeah. Like it's, It's 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 not just that they're commentating on the story that Gorgeous is telling them. They're actually seeing like... Like she's telling them the story, and they're talking about. So the story is that Gorgeous's aunt was engaged to a, a man who was uh, enlisted in the war and died during the war, and and she's been a kind of a spinster ever since. And they're they're going, oh, so handsome, whenever they show yeah. the guy. And and there's the, you said cotton candy. There's a, they show very briefly a, a flash of the bombing of Hiroshima, and one of them goes, oh, it looks like cotton candy.
0: It's yeah, it's 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 a it's a, it's a good way to give us like. Again, we're talking about how he's he's it's it's commentary on the on the war and, and kind of Japan after the war and, and pre-war. And it's a, a it's a clever way to give you exposition without telling you here's what the movie's about. Mm-hmm. It definitely sets up the because I mean I honestly that scene came and went and it was good, but I was not thinking for the rest of me, oh, this is this is an allegory for World War II and, and the bombing of Japan. And and so when looking at it now after watching that video, I just you see oh okay this was like this is his setup of the movie this is his this is his setup for the second part of this film basically, mm-hmm. and 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 what's weird right after that scene that that I I don't know if I've really seen before is twenty minutes into the movie or more, and then we get title cards for all the characters yeah. <laughs> right after that yeah and it's like it looks like a seventy sitcom it's just like. Irish shot and it's like gorgeous and it's like gorgeous and then it's like introducing them one by one.
1: Yeah, it's got that great that great song over it. So so that was a band the band that wrote the that helped write the score and then recorded a lot of the pop songs for mm-hmm. the soundtrack. Um they're called Godago. Okay. And they're a band made up of like half Japanese citizens and half uh like American army brats who had who had okay. grown up in Japan. So a lot of their their music is in English and it's got this like Late 60s even though it's like seventy five, it's got this like late sixties kind of like zombies kind of vibe yeah, to it. Yeah, it does. You know, it's it's so poppy. Um, they actually have a uh, a cameo in the film. Um, when the girls are at the train station, they they walk up and talk to the girls briefly. Okay. But uh, another one I love. It's so bizarre, and it's I think it's perfectly timed because it's right after things start getting weird. Is the the dance sequence with the ant. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and the skeleton.
1: <laughs> yeah, because it, it perfectly sells. Yeah. I mean, it's it's another one of those things. So much of his stuff, and, and it, it took me you know, a rewatch to recognize it, too. A lot of the stuff just feels, you know, oh, he wanted to do something interesting. But what this sequence really sells is it's, it's right after we find out Mac is dead. And I think it's after Sweet has disappeared.
0: Yes. But, yes.
1: But we we it shows us that the ant is consuming them, and it is giving making her youthful. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's the because... hocus
0: pocus. It's the hocus pocus trope. You know. That's that's yeah, what. It yeah. Was...
1: <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's because we've been presented to her as she's very old and she's bound to a wheelchair and, and very weak. And so after these two girls have gone missing, we see uh, we have a sequence where the ant is like climbing. The rafters and I love. She turns into camera and like like gives us yeah. a little like uh, like eyebrow wiggle into camera, yeah. and uh, and then we and then it just turns into this dance sequence where she and the, the skeleton in the house are like <laughs> just kind of jamming out together. So,
0: and this may be a story question, but like so does she turn them into watermelons is that what it is like we just turn these these the girls into watermelons and that's how she's eating them it's it's weird
1: yeah i don't i don't know if it happens to all of them it, it happens to mac but I, I wonder if that's you know kind of like a come thing because she stole that watermelon too that's
0: fair um, okay yeah but
1: yeah she has that moment when they're they're all eating the watermelon and uh fantasy kind of looks over at her and she very briefly like opens her mouth and she's got an eyeball it's in her so- mouth and oh it like looks around. <laughs>
0: There, I, I, there are so many Debbie, like, like, I'm saying, what the fuck moments in this movie, <laughs> like when I watched it, it was, ah, man, it was, I was just like, every five minutes as I get to certain, point, like, I'm
1: like, Jesus, yeah, what there's the-? like, there's like, there's like weird parts of the movie, and then there's like. Weird, weird parts, parts of, the, of movie. the movie
0: yes exactly like
1: when so you know through the whole movie they keep talking about like this their teacher mr togo is going to come save them and then he gets there <laughs> and he gets turned into a giant pile of bananas I, it's
0: so <laughs> it's it's like it's like you want melons no bananas bananas oh no and it's just <laughs> and then and it is you don't even see him turn to bananas you see it when the when a uh, gorgeous's like future stepmom shows up and where he was once once was just a pile of bananas i
1: i love that that's my that's my last favorite scene for this too is when the when the ending when the stepmother comes because it's all like the sun is up yeah everything's gorgeous it's her, her scarf is just like continuously flowing in the wind yeah and it's done like this like oh everything's gonna be okay now and then she she walks up to the house and everyone's gone except for gorgeous who we now know is like possessed by the house or the aunt or whatever whatever yeah. this evil spirit is and um i love the final shot of this movie is amazing when they're like reaching out to each other and the cat comes running through the frame in slow motion yeah
0: yeah yeah, the cat is kind of your like demon like that's the one again that video essay talks about how like the 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 light of the of the bomb or the flash of the bomb was the big thing and with the cat with 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 blanche or or blanche and is that this cat has the 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 quick green flash in the eyes mm-hmm. as like the symbol for like the bomb going off in a way but just the 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 danger that's about to happen so when the cat pe- like you think everything's all nice and great and then the cat runs across frame and you're like no, oh, someone's about to yep. die that's <laughs> but yeah the the end that that ending scene like when i was watching it was like again i was like this feels like a commercial like this mm-hmm. this is like this is a car commercial or a perfume commercial like and the song, the song in the, in the end, I was like, "Oh, is this like, like, like it's the like houses that like she's fallen in love with the house? It's the idea. I mean, the house is uh, gorgeous, been consumed by the house, but like, it's all put in the lyrics of like, it feels like a romance between gorgeous and and hmm. the house in a weird way.
1: Okay, I do. I have to throw throw out the absolute climax of the weirdness is when the, when the cat painting starts vomiting blood and <laughs> floods the house with blood. Um, that, that one's pretty fun too. That's the, I mean, I'll like the stuff, even when they're like,
0: they're the, 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 the house is being basically been consumed by blood and they're like, they're, they're pulling the Titanic of being on like a, on like a board and just like mm-hmm. hanging it, like floating through the blood. I mean, it, it's, and and there's a there's a big like like wide shot from above of like a, like this god point of view where it's it's destruction essentially like it's that's what's weird in terms of what you're talking about the comparisons with with um uh, Hiroshima is that it it's it looks like a weirdly like a war zone at one point when Mm -hmm. she's like when she's laying on like whatever like the board she's on and you have all the the furniture that's floating in this like red murky water it's it's very uh it's very unsettling
1: so uh a little bit about the production um on set life the movie was shot on the toho back lot um over the course of two months uh obayashi cast the film entirely with models that he had worked with on advertisements previously. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, and he was actually, he was initially disappointed in their performances. Uh, so everyone in the film, except for the the aunt who was played by Yoko Minomita, was a non-actor. She, she was a film actress. Okay. But Obayashi said he got everyone com- comfortable by playing the soundtrack on set whenever they weren't shooting. And he would invite the band um, who were friends of his around to play music on set and uh, they ended up shooting a cameo in the film as well Mm -hmm. and he said eventually everyone got very comfortable around each other and he uh became he ultimately was happy with the performances so the focus of the production as you may know was special effects with obayashi pushing the envelope of his already impressive repertoire of tricks he had picked up making commercials Uh, When the film started on the back lot, Toho offered the services of their staff special effects supervisor. He's like, no, and Obayashi turned him down Yeah, yeah. (laughs) and said, no, I want to do it all myself. Uh, He also he didn't want the effects to look professional. He wanted it to look wild and he wanted it to look as fantastical as possible.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So many of the effects used in the film, he just made up on the spot and had absolutely no idea if they would work out until post-production. Oh God. uh, (laughs) <laughs> and he later uh in later interviews admitted that he wasn't happy with some of the results that made it into the final film but he would never say which one which ones in yeah. particular it was
0: smart man smart man
1: yeah yeah well and he he had a very successful career um afterwards he actually um, passed away earlier this year um wow but yeah but up until then he i think he released his last film in 2018
0: it's crazy this is his first one that's the yeah. big thing is that this 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 being his first one there's a lot of i mean i i went I don't know if i'll say confidence but there's there is a a boldness and yeah. a, a rawness to the to the to the movie i think
1: i think confidence is a is a good word for it because i mean especially if you know what he was doing behind the scenes to get this movie made I, this he definitely this was his movie yeah no one could make it except for him and he he had the vision that's
0: fair in, in the research, did you find like what was the more difficult stunt, like practical effect, or
1: no? He um, he did say the water work was tough. All okay. of the stuff with the with the blood was tough, especially um, one of the characters. I think it's Prof who like kind of dissolves yeah. into the water. Yeah. He said that one was tough because they had to wrap her in green screen and then try and chroma key that out while she like she was actually in the water, oh, and that's... then they were trying to chroma key her while she was swimming.
0: And that and for 1977 that is probably hella difficult.
1: like yeah. so uh, aftermath. yeah uh, so he delivered this movie to Toho and they had no idea what to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> they had wanted something incomprehensible but they couldn't decipher house at all. So um, so expecting it to flop and I think this decision was made before the final product was given to them because mm-hmm. we'll talk about this later, but there's there's a nod to this in the movie. Um, but expecting it to flop, Toho paired it up with a as a B movie um, in the double feature with a teen romance film called Pure Hearts and Mud, which <laughs> starred a very famous on-screen, off-screen teen pop couple called Momotomo. Okay. Um, but yeah, basically they were like, we got to get some way for people to watch this movie. We're going to pair it up with, I don't know who you would compare that to these days, but like, you know, they, they were as, it was this couple that was as famous for, dating in real life as they were for making movies together and critics weren't sure to make of the movie either. It did not get great reviews, but it found an extremely fast and rabid audience with, with teens. The movie became so popular with young crowds that Toho quickly had to uncouple it from pure hearts and mud and release the film on its own. Yeah. Had a very successful, I couldn't find exact numbers, but it had a very successful run in theaters You can't can't really call it a cult film because it was huge. And uh, Obayashi won the Blue Ribbon Award, which is the the Japanese equivalent of the Golden Globes for best new director that year.
0: It's interesting. You're talking about like how studios um, were worried about like this very odd. I'll say odd, odd Mm -hmm. movie and how to pair it with something because this is exactly what happened with Star Wars, where Fox had no clue really what to do with the movie and so there theaters wouldn't take it was the thing mm-hmm. so fox like hey we'll give we'll make sh- if you take star wars from us okay if you take star wars we know it's not gonna do well but if you take it we'll give you our big huge drama the other side of midnight and that's gonna be your big hit that's gonna mm-hmm. be like oscar buzz everyone's gonna come to it just take this b-movie sci-fi film as like your as the double feature and and we'll be okay and what ends up happening is that the the b-movie ends up being the bigger hit and so basically yeah it's interesting to see like the the in different. i mean it's, it's the same exact year too it's in 77 mm. at the same exact time in different countries and filmmaking you're seeing similar strands or similar like dna of like what audiences are wanting
1: from their movies yeah well and i think you're also seeing two studios going we want it we asked for jaws and what did you just give me (laughs) (laughs) a space opera or yeah star wars star wars went through the same thing where you know it was it was okay we get these fresh young directors we make something hip and young and it's going to make us money and and it ultimately did on both accounts
0: yeah but it was unexpected yeah
1: uh so brandon what worked
0: uh well one thing we haven't really mentioned that much uh the music in this movie i i love <laughs> i love the music in this movie like mm-hmm. it's weird because there's different there's like you have this like sometimes like 70s vibe that you have that's not the the main theme and then you have this like haunting lullaby theme throughout mm-hmm. the rest of it and then you just have kind of like random spurts of like almost like 70s rock or like something like when they're in like on the streets where they're at mm-hmm. like towards the end yeah the music especially the lullaby it's like when listening to the lullaby stuff i feel like i've heard it somewhere but i can't place like where i've heard it
1: yeah and it's it's very pervasive like it's very pervasive you you hear yeah. it constantly throughout the score and that's yeah. what melody's playing on the piano yeah it gets stuck in your head for sure
0: very much so yeah the music i mean the the effects for sure like it, like I said it's 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 definitely just like hey it definitely feels we're, we're talking about him as like his first time directors it definitely feels like hey let me throw everything I know mm. in this one and movie. some things I don't know <laughs> yeah and, and, don't, and see just what happens <laughs> yeah so, yeah what about you was there anything else
1: uh I mean I think the cast ends up great cast, for yeah. for what it is I think the actress who plays gorgeous is is awesome at, at yeah. conveying that that switch when she becomes. Taken over, possessed. I love the scene one I didn't bring up. I love the scene when she comes back from having been possessed. Yeah, and, and they're like, they're like, you need to get some help. And and she's just being very calm. Yeah, and um and just kind of leaves them all there. She's like, I'm gonna go get the police, and just kind of walks out and leaves them all there as and they're locks panicking. The
0: locks them in the house. Yeah. Uh, also weirdly, I like some of the stunts in this movie. I mean, <laughs> one of, one of my favorite characters is Kung Fu. I don't know Kung why. Kung Fu's great. Kung Fu is amazing in this movie. She uh, she just has that
1: sequence where she fights all the, like, firewood. And then she's just yeah. kind of like, oh, that's weird.
0: <laughs> she goes, I must have imagined it.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. that He has this one character, Kung Fu, who can do Kung Fu. And every once in a while, just slip into these, like, classic Japanese Kung Fu movie styles. Where she's floating on wires and, and all these yeah. things are, are f- floating at her. And she's chopping everything out of the air. Yeah, it's just all of a sudden, super 70s Kung Fu movie out of yeah. nowhere
0: trying to kick through doors and everything. Yeah, it's, it's, I loved it. I loved every minute of it. All
1: right. Did did anything not work?
0: I don't, I mean, I don't have anything if anything not work. I think there might be a little bit of, I'm a tad bit confused of, is the aunt dead and her soul is what's like present at the house. And now the, and this might be just a story question, but I'm a little confused of like that transition of, when gorgeous becomes like possessed
1: that's my understanding of it because we never see the ant again after that yeah so i think she and when she says something about like i've I've been dead she she has something along the lines where she says i've been dead for years yeah yeah so i think she she is her spirit is haunting the house
0: yeah you have the only time you see her again is in the reflection of the bloody water hmm when who who's the fi- who's the final girl is it is it's it a uh... fantasy fantasy okay yeah, yeah. That, that makes sense um fa- fantasy when she looks in the water she sees the ants reflection like where gorgeous was so mm-hmm. it's like they they become intertwined
1: yeah that that final shot of that sequence is wild too where gorgeous is kind of like cradling her yeah um, next to the water yeah, and, and she
0: calls her mommy i think like yeah it's, it's very like this this is like she's a, like a, a, a matriarch or whatever. She's very like motherly mm-hmm. to it's weird. It's, 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 it's it's again. I, and we said, and you, you send me the video of like Ty, Ty West uh, talking about it. And, and then now when you say that it was not written by a 10 year old, but had ideas of a 10 year old, is it very much feels like a, from a child's perspective.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that's like, the end of the nightmare, if that makes sense, is what it is mm-hmm. to her. Is that she's like fantasy has woken up from the nightmare, even though she hasn't, has woken up with the nightmare and seeks like comfort in like this mother figure, but it's just, it's just her friend who's become possessed by a house, but whatever. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, I don't have, did you have anything that did not, didn't work?
1: I, I, I just, I don't, know if you were gonna, I mean, it's not a super long movie, but I think if you were gonna cut anything, I don't think the Mr. Togo storyline is is very needed yeah I um, mean,
0: yeah it's especially because it, it never gets a payoff he just like turns into bananas, he just turns the into bananas. yeah but they, they, I, they've
1: got that weird slapstick sequence where he like gets his gets stuck in a bucket and and they do like the stop motion scene where he's getting pushed around the, the yeah. city street on the bucket
0: yeah there's, uh, some weird, there's some weird stuff in that sequence right there because then you have they're like a, a it's a some european painter because they're that that's like lives in the building you know what i'm talking mm. about because they're just like yeah. like have a good morning painter like if they only have you have a name mm. for him. Yeah. uh it's a weird and and they're saying uh uh bonjour it's very like weird like cultural stuff of like different languages and people and i and maybe that's some, I don't, if that's a representation of, of J- japan post world war ii i'm not entirely sure but it's the weird. it's a
1: so I, I i did read one thing and i i this might belong in this section be i mean not not and did anything not work but if anything comes off to us as not working i did read that part of the reason toho didn't even bother releasing this in america was because they said it was so full of social satire that they didn't think america would get it Interesting. so that's the thing is i think it's it's saying a lot of stuff and apparently it was parodying a lot of popular media at the time as well uh, okay And so, you know, maybe that's, maybe that's something, maybe that actor was from something, but, but yeah, I think that it's, it's interesting that it does that, that, that was their concern about not bringing it to the States, but you know, you or I can watch it and I feel like get, get the message and enjoy it without understanding. I mean, without, without needing to understand any references for sure. Yeah.
0: I, I think overall I, we might we might miss the details of certain things, but mm-hmm. and and the subtleties like said, of the culture of of that era and of that place. But I think because and this kind of goes with like the horror comedy aspect, because so many things are exaggerated to an extent, is that it, and they're all played through visual gags a lot of the time. You you can get both the horror and the comedy because he puts it on such a um amplified level I guess you could say.
1: Yeah. I mean I think the I think the the watermelon sequence, the well sequence is the best like you like you and I were saying I think it's the best example of the tone of this film. Yeah. Because like you said it's shot it, it leads up to it it's got when we talked about this in the last episode that comedy and horror have the same setup of suspense and payoff as opposed to setup and and punchline and so yeah. the way that scene is set up is suspense and punchline yeah uh you know you've got that hitchcock shot you feel your the the pit of your stomach drop out and then the, the the head which is grotesque i mean they've got this like makeup on it so it looks like it's decomposing it yeah it's frightening
0: yeah
1: but but it's also funny when it's floating around <laughs> and it bites her on the butt like that's yeah. that's hilarious and then it starts puking blood and the whole time you're kind of sitting there like i don't know if i should be <laughs> horrified or, t- or laughing yeah. exactly
0: exactly And he does that really well. So I think that's the universal thing of how it's all played through visuals. That's the thing is that visual, like the subtlety of comedy is, is you can say regional of like say dialogue or whatever, but visually this is the whole go back to silent films is that you can play a silent film a lot of the time in any country and people will still get the comedy of it or people will still get the horror of it if it's a horror film. And I think that's what, what he relies on in this movie is how to play stuff visually.
1: All right. couple of, couple of interesting facts. Normally in this, in the, this episode, we would do alternate universe cast here, yeah, but no, no cast. It, yeah, it, it appears that he got everyone that he wanted. Yeah. Uh, a couple of interesting facts. Um, Obayashi enlisted one of his original film independent cohort, um, Asai Kobayashi, as his producer and composer. Okay. And he also roped him into appearing in the film as the watermelon man okay and he is also the one who did the voiceover for the trailer so his voice house. is the one that you hear going house <laughs> and you can you can hear it in the movie when he he point when he, there, he's giving them directions and he kind of points up and says there's the house and you, yeah. can, you can tell that that's him for sure uh auntie's fiance is played by tomo of momotomo the famous couple oh wow uh, so there's a there's a little that's bit of satire why. there yeah when they go oh he's so handsome you know they're they're kind of playing up uh and so yeah i I, don't don't know exactly when in production obayashi was told that he would be released as a as a b movie as a double feature with pure hearts and mud but there's that reference of casting him and then there's also when fantasy runs back into the house after being attacked by uh being attacked by the the head they go there's a line where someone goes oh fantasy you're all muddy and one of the girls kind of as an aside goes, uh, pure hearts in mud. and mud. Which is, <laughs> which is wild. Cause like the, like that is a, it's a double feature joke that he built yeah. into this movie. Like the movie was not out yet. That's he just knew insane. it was going to be playing as a double feature. That's
0: kind of great actually.
1: Um, yeah. So uh, following the success of this film, uh, uh, to- Toho said, Oh, Asher, we have no idea. We don't get you at all, but apparently the teens do. So, what do you want to do next? Um, that's,
0: that's all that matters to so the teens yep. get
1: you. And so Obayashi said he wanted to write and direct the next Godzilla film. He pitched uh, using the same crew from Haosu, doing all the special effects himself again, and uh, also using the band Godai Go for the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. In his pitch, a pregnant Godzilla oh, would no. die of diabetes and have her body turned into a spaceship by the Japanese government. The uh, The baby however would survive and would be reunited with its father and together they would fight a female monster that shot fire from her breasts uh that film was not made yeah i i i I bet (laughs) all right you have any any story questions we haven't discussed yet
0: i guess with the watermelon guy what's his relationship to all this like
1: yeah, it's, it's not... I mean, you know, and that's that's another trope that you've got. There's always that character in that. I, I love the way they play it up in uh in Cabin in the Woods when they have that, like, creepy redneck character. Yeah. And and then he, he like, calls them later and is, like, talking to him on the phone. And they're like, oh, I hate talking to this guy. This <laughs> stupid redneck. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, any haunted house movie has that, like, one guy in town who's like, there's yeah. the house, don't go up there. But, yeah, it's unclear if he... He, he says this thing kind of like that house hasn't had visitors in a long time or yeah, something yeah. after they go. And it's, you know, yeah. And I, I guess another question is, like, do the people in town, because it's we're, we're led to believe that that auntie has been eating young girls from the town. Yeah. And they've kind of stopped. Either the town has run out of young girls or they've stopped sending the young girls up there for piano lessons because they've recognized that they've, yeah, they but been yeah, it's
0: disappearing. It,
1: yeah, it's not super clear if, if everyone in the town like knows that these girls are, are off to their deaths. Um I mean the watermelon man is the only like towns person that we see.
0: Yeah, it, but, it's uh, it's funny the like, the trope of like, yeah, the 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 the, per, the character who warns the main characters of what's about to happen. It's like mm-hmm. I'm reminded not a not a haunted house movie, but in a way, kind of, uh it's a slasher film more, is Friday the thirteenth. Where it's like uh, a guy comes like they shouldn't have opened that camp. Mm-hmm. So that's always that kind of character that's warning the main characters, hey, don't go there. And they have, and they're usually just they're usually written off as just like the crazy of the town. But mm-hmm. like this guy's an entrepreneur. He's selling watermelons on the side of the road. Like he's probably a, a big town. Ta- like he he could be the mayor. I don't know. Like. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah you're right he kind of points them up there and it's like yeah. yeah there's the house and they go and then yeah and then he has that moment after they leave where he's like we haven't had a visitor there in a long time yeah so yeah it's, it's unclear if if they're like cool yeah let's sacrifice some girls to keep this house happy or, yeah. or what the um what Yeah, kind who, of the, like, the, is
0: everyone in town involved in this like they're just like yeah we got if we get if we get young girl visitors just let them go up there let them die like i don't i don't know
1: well, that 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 goes into probably my biggest story question that I, I love this feature, but I'm not sure exactly what it's supposed to mean is when we were talking about the scene after Gorgeous has been possessed. They I love the, the way this is done, but they they like beg her to call the police and she picks up the phone and holds it to her ear and you can hear. Yeah. People screaming for help. Yeah. And then she like places it back down and go like, oh, it's oh, it's disconnected. And I'm going to have to walk to the station. Like what? What are we hearing there? Is that like the yeah the other people who have been trapped in the house? Or I I, I love that moment. It's super haunting, but I, right. I'm not exactly sure. Yeah, what's going on there?
0: That's a good point. You're right. That does happen, and it's right. Yeah, it's right before she's she leaves. That's all my questions. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's all. That's all the questions you have. Well, I mean, we I mean, you know your your big question is WTF, but <laughs> yeah,
0: like, well, yeah, what, yeah, what the hell. <laughs> um it's it's yeah uh yeah i don't have no 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 more story questions i mean oh here, here's something here here's a question because you had this after after all the girls have been consumed by the house and the next day the house is like this beautiful place and it wasn't really like that before mm. so like is it just like the whole ant thing of like oh the house is consuming people so it also has this like not youthful thing, but this like beauty comes back into the house. Like, yeah,
1: I've yeah. never really there... noticed that because uh, yeah, like you said, I'm kind of so distracted in that in sequence by yeah. How like glossy it is. Yeah. But and, yeah, and, and I, I'd never really noticed the house is Yeah.
0: It's never been portrayed that way before then. So like, is that like the house needs like something to, to make it live or like continue it's, it's a, uh, yeah. It, it's it sets up a, a that's why that's why like at the end when like when i was like oh like who is i almost uh, thought like it was i knew it wasn't a flashback but i had this like weird because it felt like it's just a different place completely mm-hmm. and like the person who was coming to it was like falling in love with the house or whatever so that's why it felt different from everything else before then i think it's because of the way it was shot but again it's shot it was never shot that way before to make it look beautiful and like a commercial or whatever.
1: Yeah. It just makes me feel so sad for the stepmom. Like she's, she's trying yeah. so hard yeah. to be friends with gorgeous. She gets to this beautiful house. Gorgeous is like a completely different person. And she's like, Oh, I'm finally, this, it's going to happen. I'm going to be friends yeah. with my, my stepdaughter. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then gonna, you know we're gonna have you know a big happy happen.
0: family it's gonna be great
1: gorgeous has that great line where where the stepmother's like where are your friends and she's like oh they're sleeping but they're they're gonna be starving when they wake up
0: yeah what yeah what if they're just all zombies afterwards i don't know like
1: <laughs> like like max head floating around
0: yeah like yeah like, like what's who's gorgeous talking to after all this like who's she hanging out with like is it blanche blanche the cat? the cat yeah that's fair <laughs>
1: uh all right awards oh man this, here we go beatrice straight award actor actress with limited scenes that oh, kills man. it
0: uh i don't really have anyone for this at the moment
1: i think the ant
0: The ant. you think the ants and not that many scenes to yeah i mean she's so she's fair. gone
1: by like if, if the mirror scene marks the oh. halfway point she's um she's out by i'll i'll go with that
0: i like that yeah the ant i would I'd admit that makes sense she's
1: that's... got this really like kooky scary vibes to her the 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 My the two the first time I watched this movie, the two images that stuck out to me most were her with the eyeball in her mouth, yeah, and that's that little scene where she like crawls on the on the uh, beam and like looks straight at you, yeah. Uh, But I also I I love it so like fun and twisted when she's just dancing with the skeleton. (laughs) It's weird,
0: yeah. I guess she's probably only in the movie maybe twenty minutes like i i i I, I think she's the one that's going to qualify the most because everyone else is like mr togo or the stepmom or gorgeous's dad and i don't think any of those really stand out out,
1: shout out gorgeous's dad as a composer said he was in italy and leone liked his music better than morricone
0: i i forgot about that reference that was a weird i was like oh okay yeah it's like
1: that must be that's how you know he's a good composer (laughs)
0: I was in Italy and just uh, Leone's just like, yeah, you're better than Morcone. I'm like, thanks. I know. (laughs) So we're going, we're going, we're going with the aunt for Beatrice. Yeah.
1: Yeah. All right. The Annie Annie Potts X Factor Award for a supporting actor or actress that is the most memorable.
0: I mean, I I know who I'm picking. I don't know uh, if you'll pick this. I'm going with Kung Fu.
1: I'm going Kung Fu as well. Okay.
0: That was the one I was like, this is my favorite character. Like this is my favorite, like of the girls. She is my favorite
1: yeah like, yeah and she makes it she makes it decently far
0: yeah she does she does
1: i also like that she's she's kind of you know she's she's the one who prof kind of has like a breakdown towards the end there where she's like none of this is logical yeah i can't process any of this and kung fu's like let's i, I can take this let's go <laughs> and unfortunately she she does she is uh, electrocuted by a lamp that yeah. eats the her torso yeah but she manages even after death she manages to get one last kick in and exactly. destroy the painting of the cat
0: <laughs> kung fu still kicking in after death that's the great that's great yeah kung fu for the win
1: all right and the gene Hackman mvp award for the person who carries the movie
0: i mean it's obayashi
1: like <laughs> it's obayashi.
0: it can't be anyone else
1: was, he was carrying the movie before it was even made
0: exactly like i i mean like i don't know of another person that like would do that and well here's the thing I don't know another person who would do that and it also become successful, like, in that yeah. way. Like, that's... I, there's people who are like, oh, this is my movie, and they spend so much time promoting it, and then it just goes to shit.
1: It, should, it shouldn't go down that way whatsoever. No.
0: Like, I mean, seriously, I don't even know if someone who would... Like, after he did all that, would they even hire him? Like, I feel like studios now would be... Maybe I'm wrong. Like, certain studios, at least in certain areas of film, like, would be so, like, burned... They would not want to bring that person in. Like, hey, you just spent two years like making us look like fools. Mm-hmm. We're not going to do this movie.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's wild. I would, I would love to hear, like, a, an executive from Toho give their side of this story. Yeah. Like, what it, what it was like to just spend two years shopping the script around, and just <laughs> constantly be flooded. I mean, you had to get to a point where. Once his his outside work got successful enough, where you'd hand a script to somebody and go, and they like just looked at the title and went, "Oh, this is Obayashi's movie." Yeah, like, we're not
0: touch this. <laughs> yeah.
1: I'm sure that that sure that's probably when they decided they had to hand it off to him. Is when you know the other directors were like, "Oh," because I mean he was he was a household name as a commercial director in the first place, which is kind of wild to think about. Yeah. Um, you know, we don't really do that anymore um maybe in the in the 90s with music yeah. video directors like you know fincher was fincher was already known when he did alien three but yeah.
0: um yeah it's like like fincher like Gore bensky even michael bay like those those people were doing music videos or like commercials and i think now it commercials are not as it's i don't want to say it's director, but like the commercials tend to have just a similar vibe throughout most of them or similar aesthetic
1: yeah i i think the equivalent now would be like making youtube videos like even even like koganata you know being doing columbus and and that being part of the billing like we all knew him as a film essayist yeah when columbus came out and that that was part of the appeal was like oh i've watched this guy this guy has great takes on movies i want to see this dude Yeah. yeah what he has to do what he has to make for himself
0: yeah that's fair that's that's probably where stuff's coming from now is is the youtube like youtube uh small content yeah. creators
1: all right final questions okay i get the the tables are turned if you make this movie today <laughs> who do you cast in it Sit. i mean i do th- real quick i was thinking about this you know when you watch that coconada thing um mm-hmm. there is kind of social subtext to make that you could you could somewhat make this a like 9-11 allegory today if you're just talking about that's you know the, like a generational divide
0: yeah that's
1: I a mean, d- that's a divide that we're seeing very clearly right now
0: i mean that's fair that that is a good point i didn't think of it in that context but you could easily do i mean you could you could but you could pick probably any country in a way and do that mm-hmm. and like yeah, yeah. And everyone's them. got
1: like a tragedy that that marks the separation between two generations yeah. for sure
0: so if it was remade today, the, the the cop out was like don't remake this. I'm not going to give you people. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I I'll, I'll give you two that I thought of. Uh I, for or first, all all the young actors are unknowns. That that I, I don't like I just don't know who to pick for that. I'm going to stick with his idea of like casting just like people well, you like don't we, really know.
1: And like we talked about, you know, there's so the characteristics are so simplistic. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's probably good to not have any baggage because you're all, this is all, you know, about like, yeah, gorgeous is gorgeous and kind of vain about it. Yeah. Like, that's it. That's all you need to know. Period.
0: Yeah. Um, really?
1: So yeah, to have someone who brings any kind of baggage to it already is messing with like the, the very pure, like one note. And, and I don't even, I don't mean one note is like bad. Like this is yeah. his intention. And this is what he set out to do with these characters. And it works.
0: I had two picks for the ants, mm-hmm. Helena Bonham Carter.
1: Mm. Yep,
0: and the other one I had was Julianne Moore. Oh,
1: okay, I like that. Okay, yeah, I like both of those.
0: Yeah, because the idea is that you have to like, it's the transition of making them appear old, and then get younger or at least more mm-hmm. youthful as the movie goes on. Yeah, like it's. I don't think it's as drastic of a change as like Bette Midler and Hocus Pocus and those characters i there needs to be a transition i think with like helena bum carter or Julianne moore you could like you could do that and also it's someone who has to be who can be terrifying but also feel like nice and like i don't want to use quirky but she's not
1: sinister at all in the beginning like when we're first introduced to her she's really not Scary yeah. at all, and
0: so you need that believable, believable transition. I think either of those two actors can do that.
1: uh Does this movie fit within any other genres?
0: I mean, because we're talking about heart. I, I mean, haunted house genre for sure. Mm. I wonder, political uh, satire. Is it a satire? You could say it's satire for Japan, uh, Japanese culture, um or Japanese media at the time. uh Yeah, I think those are the two. I, would, I mean, I would, haunted mm-hmm. house, especially because it is it is a it, in, it inverts kind of the I mean, it takes the heart, the haunted house tropes and just spins them or in some cases exaggerates them to a point where it's something completely different and
1: finally how does it fit within our our month of horror comedy genre
0: again kind of I would just say it, it exaggerates everything to a point where it's like it's both com- comedic but also kind of terrifying in a way mm-hmm. like it's 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 like again like you said it's like i don't know whether to be terrified or to be laughing when the head mm-hmm. is coming up for the well and like bites are on the butt like yeah. is that funny or terrifying if i saw a floating head would i be laughing probably not but like and then there and the, and weirdly too going off that is that like even some of the characters in the movie when bad stuff happens to them They end up just laughing at it in a Mm -hmm. way, like when Melody gets like her fingers get bit off. She goes, "Oh, Oh, my fingers are, my fingers are gone." And I was like, "Why are you happy?" Like (laughs) you're, and then and then she gets eaten by a piano and she's terrified. So it's just a weird, like, yeah. So I, I think it's the exaggeration of human behavior, but also in the visuals of it. That's the key thing is that it exaggerates the visuals to where you know to a point where it's so much it ha- it's done in a comedic way.
1: Yeah. I think one scene in particular that really shows that is that, that he was consciously using the visuals to break any sort of like real horror Yeah, is, um, is when, when Kung Fu finds sweet in the clock and mm-hmm. we're seeing her kind of crushed to death by the internal workings of the clock. Yeah. Because that's a, that's a pretty kind of, you're just seeing the, her sweets face and, um, It's pretty disturbing. It's kind of played very slowly. It doesn't like cut fast. But what he does is like keep inverting the colors. So we're never really like directly confronted with blood. It's like green and then it's orange. And so I think that's probably one of the ones that possibly, you know, doing that in post- he, he might have seen that sequence come out and was like ah that's that's too, a little too yeah. too horror for me we got to do something to invert that because it's not shot as crazy you know the the scene with the piano is like so avant-garde yeah that it that it barely even registers as like someone being eaten as by a piano like you, you it's a cartoon version of someone being eaten by a piano yeah 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 so i mean it's like you know with the saying this fits into the haunted house genre and but it's so exaggerated i mean that's yeah, exactly where it fits into horror comedy and something we've been seeing with Phantom and with this is if you essentially take horror, yeah, and and just play it up. It's very easy to play it for laughs if you if you know but the thing is it, it's if you really know the horror itself. Yes. It's it's not just, you know, it's it's not just scary movie where you're doing like visual gags yeah. the entire time. You you also have to recognize the story structure of the horror that came before it.
0: Yeah, that that's that's a big key. I mean, I think of it's not a good comparison probably, but I think of like get out where it's like a, it it is a horror, but there are comedic elements to it, but they're playing the horror straight. Mm-hmm. But somehow because some of the stuff is exaggerated in moments, it the comedy comes out of it.
1: Yeah. All right. Well thanks. Thanks for watching it, Brandon. It's
0: it's been a, I've been wanting to watch it for a while. So I'm excited I was excited to like finally get to it and at this month, again, uh, kind of like you talked about for last year, I'm trying to like watch more horror films that are outside the wheelhouse of just like, let me rewatch Halloween or rewatch The Shining. Or if I watch Halloween, maybe I should watch all the ones I haven't seen. Like,
1: oh, watch the one with Paul Rudd.
0: Or like, should I be watching the Rob Zombie one? I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, I was excited to see it. And yeah, I'm also excited to see what we do for the rest of this this month with horror comedies. Did you have anything else to add about *House Sue Thomas*? I appreciate you. I love the breakdown.
1: See, seek it out, folks. It's it's unlike anything you've ever seen before.
0: Yeah. HBO Max and Criterion Channel, or if you don't have either of those, maybe it's probably probably available for rent on Amazon or wherever you get your movies. And hopefully, you're not spoiled by what we talked about because we talked about a lot of just random. <laughs> Death in this and, movie. and
1: yeah even even if you feel like we've spoiled the plot we have not spoiled the visuals yeah so.
0: that's the thing it's like it's I, when when we were going through this i'm like man if i never saw this movie and i was listening to this podcast would i have any clue of what is going on and i don't know if i would but guys thank you so much for listening make sure you subscribe to us on our podcast spotify stitcher or wherever you your podcast and make sure you give us a review we like hearing from you and that helps us kind of be seen by more people. Give us a rating five stars. If you're nice and make sure you like us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and follow our stuff on medium. When we're posting articles and yeah, Thomas, thank you so much for, for bringing house to my world. House. guys. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you listen to more episodes soon. Bye.